Welcome to the fourth episode of The Shanna Plan. I'm Kyle Posey. I am joined by Akash. Akash, what's up, man? What's up, man? Finally here, week one of the regular season. Can't wait. What's man, going on? It, we made it. Like that. What else is there to say? We're finally here. We have football to talk about within less than a week. Yeah, we have. We're going to be this time next week. We will be recapping what happened in a regular yeah. season game. Whew. All right. So no real surprises. The 49ers just released their final 53 on Tuesday. Every Tuesday, the every team in the NFL has a chance to protect four players on their practice squad. The 49ers did that today, and they protected wide receiver Kevin White, center Hironis Grasu, edge rusher, the great Deion Jordan, <laughs> who we could, I guess, I guess we can talk about that. Um, just because, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And the next guy isn't, I mean, he's in the, probably in the same class. So cornerback Dante Johnson. So it, the takeaway there is they're all veterans, but Akash, you had a, you had a nice angle as well as that. So what do you, does this say anything about where we are headed into week one? Yeah. So this is a new interesting wrinkle that the NFL has added, you know, as a result of, of COVID and, and the expanded practice squads sizes, right? So each team every week gets to protect four guys and essentially uh, another team can't sign these players onto their 53 man roster until the week is over. So, um, you know, based on what teams do, it kind of gives you a little clue about how they feel about the injuries or whatever. Right. So, you know, Hronis Grasu being protected makes you wonder, okay, is Ben Garland going to be uh, active and healthy for this game, right? By protecting him, that allows the 49ers to potentially elevate him on game day and start him if Garland can't go. Uh, the other name that was interesting was Deion Jordan. You know, when the 53-man roster was released, 49ers only went with nine defensive linemen. Um, they put Blair on the pup list which we both thought he would be on the active 53-man roster, even if he didn't play week one. So uh, it feels like they're a little short on uh, edge depth. And so they've they've protected Jordan. Uh, I thought it was particularly interesting they protected Kevin White over Jawan Jennings. Um, and then the last guy is Dante Johnson, the the longest-tenured 49er defender, I think, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. I feel like he's been on the team for like 20 years now. Forever. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think Lombardi like brought this point up. It's it's interesting because now it becomes like a chess, you know, move almost, right? Uh, teams might protect certain guys so that other teams may not be able to sign uh, your your guys away, right? Um, so it's interesting, especially as the season goes on and we get to like must win games. Would teams really sign you know practice squad guys away just so that you don't have that type of depth? Uh, it's an interesting wrinkle to think about, but. Um, just, just something to think about as the week goes on. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty confident that Grassu is going to be the starting center week one. Same. I imagine that's where that's where everything's been headed. So he's been taking the first team reps for the last week or so, and we haven't gotten any updates on Ben Garland's injury. They're being very quiet about this, playing it very close to the vest. There's no real reason for them to tell, so I don't like that. Doesn't bother me, but I mean, I think it's pretty telling that he hasn't returned, and it's been nearly a month, so yeah. he's not just going to you know just join the join the team having not practiced at all play. for a month and just yeah just roll yeah. out there and play that just doesn't seem reasonable um as far as white over jennings i think it's more likely that a team would pluck white off of your roster than it would jennings yeah. and just based on everything that we've seen like jennings went to the seventh he lasted to the seventh round for a reason and yeah. we kind of saw that in practice and i just 
teams are also big on physical traits and Jennings doesn't really have those. Whereas white, I mean, he probably doesn't run. He probably is not as not, not nearly as fast as he was coming out of college, but he's still probably plenty fast and he's still big, good size. And that's, he has those moldable traits that you can teach. So I understand that, but it'll be, it will be, I do agree that it will be a chess match and it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how that changes as the week goes on. It'll probably be based on opponent and the team's health as well. Right. I do think they, they need Blair back. They need another edge rusher just, just to protect uh, some of the starters. Not so much that, you know, I'd be worried about, you know, Armstead or Barca right. performing. It's so that you can take some of the, the workload off of their plate. Right. That way, come the second half of the season, Armstead isn't gassed and he can play like he did in the first half right. of the season last year. So let's, uh, let's talk about some season predictions and – on Tuesday, the great Pete Prisco put out some power rankings where he had the 49ers ranked fourth, which whatever. All right, sure. But he had the Packers ranked second, which is like God-level trolling right there. Like it's that laughable. is amazing. Yeah. If there's it, you just and there was a lot of mentions replying to the tweet that we put out on Niners Nation, just saying how it just it you'd be very hard to, to make like how would that make sense how could right. you watch anything you saw in 2019 and come away with yeah the packers are definitely improved over the 49ers and some of the yeah. responses were well it's not year to year it doesn't carry over sure didn't say that not disagreeing with you common sense would tell you the packers didn't do anything to improve and they are just a terrible terrible matchup for san francisco i don't yep. know how they would score three times in a game that's not that doesn't involve garbage time I don't know how they would prevent the 49ers from scoring four times. So this is all very common sense stuff to me. That's probably why maybe I should go into depth about that on Twitter, but I, I just feel like we don't need to just stay away from that, it. But. Yeah. So season predictions and the over under right now for the 49ers heading into the season, it's set at 10 and a half games. Where do you think the 49ers, you know, like what's going to be their final record? Yeah. Ten and a half is perfect. Uh, it's if you know if I was betting, I would stay away from that one personally because I'm torn between ten or eleven games. Right? It's going to come down to that stretch in the middle of the season. They, you know, I think they go to New England, go to Seattle, then they come home to Green Bay in a sh on a short week. And again, like you said, it's a terrible matchup. But weird shit happens on those Thursday night games, especially right. after a Seattle game that's going to be physical. There's going to be injuries, right? And on a short week. You don't know who you're going to, you know, have after that type of game, right? So they have Green Bay, then then I think they go like to New Orleans and they go to Los Angeles. It's a brutal six-game stretch, six, you know, playoff caliber teams. That stretch is essentially going to determine where they finish in the standings, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, originally when the schedule came out, most most fans were like, oh, Patriots game, it's going to be Jarrett Stidham, it's going to be a cakewalk. Now they got Cam Newton. Um, they got – they're still missing a bunch of starters on, on defense, but – You've got Bill Belichick, got Josh McDaniels, Cam Newton, and that's going to be a tough game going, um, you know, from west to east. Uh, I think it's a 125 start, so it's not like it's not a 10 a.m. body clock game. But then they got to travel again across country, play Seattle the week after. So that that stretch is difficult to me. Um, you know, most fans, I feel like they take it as a slight if you say they're going to go 10 and six or 11 and five. Uh, it's difficult to win 12, 13, 14 games in the NFL year to year, even if you have a good roster. Uh, just the injuries, just the game-to-game, season-to-season variation. It's tough for, for good teams to replicate the performance that they did last year. Um, so I would imagine somewhere around there, I think 11 wins is probably good enough to win this division just because the division is so tough, and I think everyone's going to like split those games. Um, but, I, yeah, 11-5 and five is where I would feel comfortable with. 
Yeah, I would. So I'm bouncing back and forth between 11 and 12 wins as well. And we talked about this before we came on. It's not going to be this cakewalk of a season by any means. So you mentioned that little stretch of the the stretch of the schedule that is very, very difficult. So nine of their past 11 games or nine of their last 11 games for the 49ers, they're against potential playoff teams. So even after that, that Rams game, that final Rams game you mentioned, they play the Bills who, yes, it will be at home. I believe it's a Monday night game, but the, the Bills are a very, very good defense and one of the best right. coach teams in the NFL. So after the Bills, they get a week against Washington, which is great. But then they have to go face the Cowboys on the road, divisional game, game on the road against the Cardinals. They're, yeah, it is a Sunday night. You're right. Divisional game on the road against the Cardinals. And then they finish up the season against the Seahawks. So it's – yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to be this – 13 and three, 14 and two that everybody thinks is going to happen. And it'll be like a cruise control on the way to the Super Bowl. That just doesn't seem plausible to me at all. I do think that they are going to win. I think that most of these games are going to be entertaining and, you know, just heart attack games like last year, but it'll be, it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. Right. It'll keep uh, the blood, the blood pressure, man. It'll be very <laughs> high this year. So I'm going to go 12 wins just because I think that's where yeah. I've been at all season. But I, man, I would not argue anybody if they said, no, um, 11 or even 10, because you can make arguments because, you know, there's there's going to be stretches and lulls. It's it's just so tough to get up for every game. We saw that yeah. with the Falcons last year. It's just, it's just yeah. not how the sport works. And All right, let's go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the other thing is, you know, this season they have legitimate expectations. Last season, no one expected, you know, shit Great from them. Point. So it was really easy for them to just, you know, play that card and go out and, you know, uh, play that way. Whereas this, this year, they're going to get every team's best shot, right? And it's just going to be a lot heavier, you know, to carry that sort of a burden week to week. But uh, just continuing with the season predictions, I was going through betting lines this week and I want some I have some regular season props. I wanted to ask you, Jimmy Garoppolo passing yards over under it's thirty nine hundred right now. I would say over just like okay. this. What did he have last year? Didn't he have right around 39, there, like 39, 78. Or Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I would go over just because I'd imagine he's going to have the opportunities to make plays downfield just with with having a legitimate deep threat in Ayuk for the for the majority of the season like assuming he stays healthy or as he had Emmanuel Sanders you know somebody that you can count on opposite of Debo Samuel so another year of Debo Samuel Ayuk uh quote-unquote healthy Trent Taylor like we're assuming that he's healthy and then you know you have that possession guy and Kendrick Bourne and Whatever anybody else gives you, obviously, like, you know, if you get anything from Dante, sure. But, you know, we're going to believe that when we see it. But, yeah, so I, I believe I would go over there just because um, I just have a hard time believing his numbers will go will be worse than last year. OK. And then over under 26 and a half touchdowns. Um, it's going to be right, man. That's a great Vegas. Is that's so a great number, this. right? You're right. <laughs> so, so last year he was 27 and 13, right? Yeah. That was his. Yeah, yeah. man. So the question is really going to be, will his touchdowns come in bunches? Will he have the Cardinals Saints type games where he's throwing three, three and four? Because it'll be tough. And saying that, will he have those games where he's going like one, zero, zero, two? So, man, I I would you can't push 26 and a half. (laughs) So I mean, I'll I'll say over and I'll say he gets 27 again. I'd go over too. They had, you know, the Baltimore game was a monsoon game. The Washington game, monsoon game. That's fair. Um, and you also, he, he's also like Carolina was a blowout. Like since right, he was a blowout, right, he, he has all right. these games where he's being pulled in the fourth quarter. 
So right. that, yeah, that's a fair I, point. I would, yeah, I would think over on 26 and a half. I'd, 30 would be my cap, I'd say. But yeah, 30 is a lot. Hard. Yeah. No, I was just curious. I was going through these today just as the season's about to start, and I was looking at these, and I was like, God, they always do such a good job of like picking these like numbers where it really makes you think. So It does. So that's that's a good segue into our team MVP. Who is going to be the team MVP for the 2020 49ers? I also think he's going to be the defensive player of the year. I think it's going to be Nick Bosa. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the preseason, offseason hype uh, on Nick Bosa, just you know, becoming the defensive player of the year, leading this team with sacks, pressures, um, and just the way he plays, right? Um, with the motor he has, uh, with the effort he gives, being a three-down player, um, I think he's going to be in, in the running for DPOI, and uh, consequently, I think he's going to be the team MVP. I think he's going to be uh, the reason that the defense is able to put up uh, the same type of numbers and the same type of performance they had last season. So I, I'm going to go with that guy. Are you worried that this year, unlike – so during the second half of last season, we saw teams just kind of shift their attention to Bosa. We're like, you are not going to beat us. Somebody else is going to beat us. I feel like this year we're going to see more than more of that than last than we did all season last year. And that doesn't matter if D Ford is healthy. So even if D Ford is healthy, Fair. I imagine teams are going to be like, hey, D Ford, show us. Show us that you can beat, beat us. us. And like we're not like if I'm an offensive coordinator going into a game, the last person I'm going to let beat me is number 97. So I wonder I do wonder how much that attention affects his numbers. But he's just like so damn good that it, it's probably You're not right. going to matter. Honestly, you you have to like really really nitpick when you're watching right. him and when you're trying like the things that Bosa is bad at is like containing like the quarterback on right. on bootlegs like those are the yeah. things that he's bad at like that's probably the end of the list yeah he let some sack I think he let like four or five sacks slip out of his hand last year when he had like them in the grasp but that those were like early in the season when he's like still no preseason playing himself into shape and just kind of figuring out the NFL. So he was, he was a little reckless, but you would imagine that those are the things that he worked on this offseason. And it's it's so silly to say this, but we, we've probably seen the worst of Nick Bosa, which is just, man. Which is insane to think about after the season he put up last year. But, you know, on that note, uh, I saw a clip from, I think it was the second Cardinals game, and they had Larry Fitzgerald chip uh, Nick oh, Bosa. Yeah. Ab- absolutely put him on his Oh, yeah. Before he even, like, he went like parallel to the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I would imagine that teams try to do, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely anything they can to disrupt his timing and his uh, ability to get off the line of scrimmage, right? So so that probably happened to him. And not, not as much as once a game, but it happened to him quite a bit. I I imagine if I were to put, I can put together a nice little reel of Bosa yeah. just getting chip blocked by somebody that he didn't see. And that's where the right. recklessness comes in. But again, yeah, he's a rookie, and you imagine his awareness will just improve. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think the team MVP is going to be a running back, Raheem Mostert. I think that uh, Shanahan like, – so we've spent all offseason arguing whether he is going to start, whether Mostert is going to start. I think that Mostert is just going to like take over. He's not – I, I wrote to, I wrote on Tuesday that he's going to garner some MVP votes, like MVP attention, like be in the conversation. He's going to have that big of a season just because when you're a good team, you get noticed. And eventually I feel like it's it's going to get through Shanahan's head like, oh, he is really good. Let me give him the ball multiple times a game, believe it or not. So I think Shanahan, I think uh, Mostert's going to be in that 1,200 yards. He's going to rack up a bunch of touchdowns. But more importantly, he's going to be – 
getting these big plays and these highlights. And that's what vote like that's what people are going to pay attention to. And so because he's going to be on TV every week and people are going to see this, he's going to be the team MVP. So I'm going to go out on limb and say it's going to be Mostert. Uh, that that's kind of segue into our one bold prediction on both sides of the ball. So I guess that could be it. But let, let me let me get one from you. Let's uh, do you have any let's start on offense. What's your bold prediction? Okay, I tweeted this out yesterday, so I'm going to go with it. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to lead all rookie wide receivers in all-purpose yards. Oh, all rookie wide receivers. All rookie Hello. wide receivers uh, in all-purpose yards. So last season, A.J. Brown had, I think, 11-11, and Debo Samuel had 961. So what is that, like 150 yards about, right, um, in difference. And Debo Samuel didn't really come on until, I'd say, like midway through the season. Sanders. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right, when Manuel Sanders got on the team, uh, ironically. Um, and so now Brandon Ayuk, you've seen this. He's been way more active at training camp. He's been running with the ones. Uh, he had a soft tissue injury, but I think he's hopefully going to start week one. Uh, didn't look super serious. Uh, I'd imagine, you know, the team wants to get him going right away because they need him to be an impactful wide receiver uh, in order for their offense just to be good, I think. And so you look at the other guys like Jerry Judy. I think, you know, they have Cortland Sutton. Uh, they got KJ Hamler. They got a good running game. Uh, CD Lamb has Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, all that stuff. Zeke. So I, I was thinking about it. I was like, is that, could Ayuk like put up like 900, 1,000 all purpose yards and like lead all rookie wide receivers? I, th- I think that's a possibility on offense. And I, I'm going to go with that as my bold prediction. So if Ayuk had, let's say that Ayuk has 950 receiving yards, what does that mean Debo finishes the season with? because in this offense there like there's not there's plenty of targets to go around but i don't think that there's that amount of like that level of volume for three receivers just based off how they played last year i don't think there's enough volume for three receivers to be over 800 yards and that and that might that might not be fair just because i believe sanders had like 530 when he came with the team so It like if you want to extrapolate that for the season, like sure, but I yeah, was it'll be interesting. I was, I was thinking IU gets to like seven hundred receiving yards, and you know he gets the rest on the ground, maybe like five hundred on the ground, and and say he is a return man that counts towards all-purpose yards, right? And so those Cheater. things <laughs> it counts, it counts, right? That's why I said all-purpose <laughs> and not just like receiving. Um, so I would you know factor in all those things, but you're right. I would expect Debo. Uh, especially if they both play all 16 games to be like right around the same number um, to both have like seven, eight, 900 yards. I don't think the team has a thousand yard receiver. Ooh, no. Kittle doesn't reach a thousand. What was Kittle at last year? Uh, he was, I think he was just, just North. Of he was just, was he? Uh, okay. He might've been like 1053 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. I think he was like just over a thousand. Okay. He, he probably gets there, but maybe outside of Kittle, I don't think they have like a wide receiver that hits a thousand yards. Okay. So my bold prediction is, I mean, it's tough to follow up that wild Mostert take, but I will go that I will go with Kendrick Bourne leads the team in receiving touchdowns again. Just I think okay. he's going to be down there and, and it'll be viewed like fantasy guys are going to hate him because he's just a touchdown vulture in the yep. red zone for the 49ers yep. who have all these players that can make plays. But Bourne's reliable. He has like a great rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo. He Garoppolo can trust him. Uh Born can make those tough catches in traffic. And I think that he doesn't really shy away from contact. It's not going to be one of those like 
14 receiving touch. Like it's not going to be anything out of control like that. It's going to be seven. I imagine they're going to spray a lot of touchdowns around, but I'm yeah. going to go with KB leads the team in receiving touchdowns just because he's going to get a lot of those Vikings, like in the playoffs against the Vikings, where he's just running yeah. like a quick route and gets open right away. They cleared really, the zone out for him, right? They've yeah, like, yes, exactly. It'll pre-snap, and it was it, the play was set up for Bourne. So this, uh, uh, just like the Saint, like a lot of the, what you saw against the Saint. Right. So just like that, where he's he's down there. How about defense? Let's go on the other side of the ball. Ooh, defense this is a good one. Um, the safeties have four takeaways this season, four interceptions. Let's say interceptions between the two of them. Well, and they had so, zero last year. I was going to say, so <laughs> compared to last year, that would be amazing. Honestly, right. like, that would be great. So wait, has has there been a season where either Tart or Ward has had multiple? I don't think either of those two have had like combined two interceptions, seriously. And that is like the lowest of low bars for your starting safety. Right. And I know the defensive talent hasn't been great. And with tip balls and with the speed that they have, that should be very doable. Again, we talked about it a little bit before, but when you're playing safety, especially against like with the front seven that they have, like with the front seven, Warner, Alexander, and those four rushers, you would imagine that, you know, a ball is going to land in your lap at some point. So I, I love that. Why? What like, is there going to be? Is it going to be like all tart? Is it going to be war? Like, how did you come to this? So, so I just pulled this up while you were Talking there. In 123 career games, the two have five combined interceptions. <laughs> so that might have been really over the top bold. Uh, I just think between the two of them, you know, it's another year in the system, just like you mentioned, um, where they're both able to start at safety. I think they're going to be healthy, so they'll both start all 16 games. Um, I think Mosley and Sherman are going to be your starting corners. And just just like you mentioned, with the pressure that the front seven generates, I just think there's going to be plays for them to make, and I think they're going to make it. Um, so I would say between, I would say they each get two. I don't know if that's oh, that man. wild, given given their prior history. It sounds wild, say, but <laughs> maybe when we might do be the our, oldest thing we hear all season. <laughs> yeah, maybe when we do our end of the season review pod, and they don't tally that up, I'll look like an idiot. But uh, I feel like I can go out on a limb and say that I feel like you know. We especially, uh, you know, really value those guys. I feel like a lot of people underrate their abilities. Um, so I'm putting, I'm putting all my faith in Kwaski and and Jimmy here. So Tart looks ginormous, by the way. I don't know if have you seen him in these press conferences? He looks like a linebacker. Looks He's massive. Yeah. yeah, someone's been hitting the weight room this this off season, That's for sure. My hot take is that Quan Alexander is a Pro Bowler, and I know that you know Pro Bowlers. You know, it doesn't mean much like everybody. It seems like either everybody gets in or it just doesn't matter. But I, I do think it matters to the players. And I think that Quan was so, so good in those first eight games, seven games, however many games he played to start the season last year. I think that's carried over to training camp now that he's healthy and you can tell. And I think that he's going to make enough plays where he's benefiting from Kenlon DJ Jones up front where he can kind of just rack up a bunch of tackles because – as, as much as we hate tackles, like just that stat in general, that's what's going to get you to the Pro Bowl. Like if you just rack up a bunch of tackles like that. And I think he'll make enough plays against the pass where he's, you know, near the league lead in pass breakups because he, he did a good job against getting his hand in the passing lanes last year. So I think that Quan's going to have a really great season. I mean, I, I think Fred Warner is an all pro and I think he should have been there last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens this year just because, you know, the NFL seems like they're always a year too late, but I think Quan's definitely going to be a be a Pro Bowler this year. I think he's going to ball out. 
Okay, yeah, Pro Bowl is hard because it's based on voting, right? But if I right. went over under five Pro Bowlers on the defense. Ooh, good one. So, Bosa? Yep, Bosa. Uh, I mean, Sherman's get. I feel like Sherman will just make it because his last name. It doesn't matter what he does, he's, like he's Richard Sherman. Right. So, let's so Bosa and Sherman. And then... Warner. I imagine, yeah, I imagine Warner's going to make it just because he's like the bigger name. So now, yeah, now it's just who steps up, who is going to be that guy? Because right. could you see Eric Armstead making it? Is is D right, Ford right. healthy enough? Somebody has somebody has to step up, right? Like, right. All this attention is going to number ninety seven on the other side. <laughs> you are going right. to be one on one. You have to make plays, right? So yeah, I don't know. I I'm gonna go under just because. Okay. I, I have this weird feeling. Like initially, I thought that Armstead and Ford would kind of swap seasons and not so much missing but in, missing from injury, but I felt like Armstead would take a step back production-wise and Ford yeah. would pick up some of that slack. So if that's true, they're both not going to have the, the numbers that you need to get in the Pro Bowl. And okay. I just don't think that anybody in the secondary would make it. I, I do believe that Mosley is going to be up there in past breakups because he – would have been last year if he wouldn't have got benched again, but that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I, I'm gonna go under, man. Where, where are you at with this? Yeah, so let's assume your bold prediction happens, right? So Quan, I'd assume Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. Uh, so we're at what three, and then Sherman. So we're at four. So it's really finding a fifth guy, Who's right? That fifth? Yeah, right. Um, whew, yeah, that's tough. Do either of the safeties like get in? Like, like the you know especially at safety you need like the takeaway numbers right between like the pro bowler because he right. had like a billion tackles last year right right and either of those guys they they're fundamentally sound but they don't make the splashy plays that get right. your pro bowl votes right so i can't see them making it i i just think one of armstead or d ford is going to have a big enough season to get there i think especially with d ford's health if he's just able to like continue to just rack up sacks what would what, what did he end up with last season I think he had six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. Six and a half. So if he, he gets to like double digit sacks, snaps, which is nuts. Right. So if he gets like double digit sacks, I could see him being a pro bowler and that would be your like fifth guy. But yeah, that that's a tough one. Tricky. How? So let's do this on the other side of the ball real quick. Over under two. <laughs> two <laughs> <laughs> because it's going to be low. I mean, that's just, it, it, it is, is what it is. It is. So, okay. Uh, how about under. Who, who is the pro bowler? that is not named George Kittle. So if Trent Williams is healthy, check. But okay, yeah. who else? Like like who else it would could be make it? Raheem Moster if he gets yeah, here like 1200 yards. That would so that would be the three guys. But uh, even in the NFC you have McCaffrey, you have Kamara, you have Dalvin Cook, who like I'm sure I'm missing Barkley. a billion. Yeah, Zeke. <laughs> so yeah, okay. yeah. there's like they're stacked in running backs. So it'd be That's yeah, fair. he would he would really have to be among the league leaders. And then same with like Jimmy G. So you have like Essentially, all the best quarterbacks. In the league. Jimmy G ain't getting any votes in the yeah, NFC. Like, he would have to. He would have to just like have an MVP type season, and that's so hard for people to admit. Like, because it's always going to be. It's always going to come back to you know my my right. favorite player is getting screwed. Like, why didn't he make right, it? Right. But uh, oh, you have to look at who you take out. Kyle Uzcheck. Ah, ah, the fullback. The fullback. Strikes again. Right, there's, the there's the third guy. Check. All right. <laughs> so over, smash that over. But outside of those three guys, yeah, I don't know. I, like, is is Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk gonna like put up enough numbers to gain a Pro Bowl vote? I don't think so. Man, I'm I'm not sure. That was so. 
Yeah, it, it'd be really tough to do that. All right, that was fun. We're going to take a little break here, and then when we get back, we are going to preview the week one matchup between the 49ers and the Cardinals. All right, so we are back. 49ers, Cardinals, 1.25 p.m. Sunday. The four, The line right now is 7.5. The over-under, so the total on the game is 47.5. That is up a half point since Sunday because I am a psycho and I check these all the time. So somebody is putting a lot of money on this game to budge that. I would like. I can imagine this going over. I would I, guess this goes over. So I, let's, let's talk about the – is 7.5 too much for a divisional opponent week one? rhetorical question uh yes i think so uh so i think you know in the two games one of them was 36 26 so the niners by 10 the other one was 28 25 so the niners by three i'd imagine the cardinals cover um well i i think they do because i just put a little money on uh cardinals <laughs> Love it. Love and, it. and uh the over on the game but so yeah i just think this game is going to be high scoring it's going to be close seven and a half is a lot week one um for anybody not, by the way that, anybody that, that's a lot that's a lot of points to to be given to to have um i just imagine you know the defenses will struggle to slow down either offense like the 49ers despite what you think of them they, they struggled to slow down kyler murray last year uh in both games one was a short week game the other one they just they came flat out of the gates and they were in a hole early so i imagine something similar is going to happen in this game especially with their added offensive weapons. Um, so I, I think they've, you know, no no game predictions yet, but I'd imagine um, that the Cardinals cover. What do you think? I would say that the Cardinals cover. I think it's going to come down to the 49ers are up late in the game and the Cardinals have a drive and they score, and now it's like a four-point game. Yeah. And that's how, the, that's how they cover. So it's going to be – It'll probably look a lot like week 11 where the four, the 10 point game looks looks like the 49ers didn't have any problems, but it, the game was close. Right. And I, I can see it. That's the, that's a, my line of thinking where I can see it be look closer. Right. I do think that they struggled to slow Kyler down. I think that it's pretty clear that, you know, athletic athletic quarterbacks will give him problems, but he has like a rocket arm and that he, his his margin for error is just so much greater than most rookie quarterbacks just because of his arm strength. And, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury had all offseason to prep for the 49ers. And I mentioned this last week when we talked about it. They were 3-10 and 10 against Week 11 on third downs, but they had plenty of opportunities to make plays, like to get right. open against the 49ers. And for whatever reason, Kenyon Drake turns into Ezekiel Elliott when he plays the 49ers. So, Dude, he's uh, unreal. He's going to have plenty of space to work with. It, it's just going to come down to can the Cardinals score enough to keep up with the 49ers because I just do not see how the Cardinals are going to be able to keep the 49ers from scoring fewer than like 27, 30 points, man. Right. Um, I think the biggest benefit for the 49ers offense will be practicing against their defense all August. That's a good and point. They're going to be able to just unload, man. I, I really think there's going to be a lot of frustration let out. Yeah. <laughs> My only concern, you know, so I, I hammered the over at 47 because they hit the over both times last season if, if 47 was the line, right? Uh, they scored, what, 62 points one game and then, what, 58 the other time or 63 one time, whatever. Terrible at math right now, but um, <laughs> they would have been over 47 is, is what I'm trying to say. So, 
the, my only concern is that week one, uh, no preseason, like are the offenses just going to be like out of sync? Like I know they've been practicing against their own defense, but are they going to come out and just like, is it going to be like ugly early on? Like where the first half is like low scoring. And then all of a sudden you're like, geez, they may not hit 47 combined points, but yeah, I 47 was, was a little too low to me. I, I would think they get at least 50 between the two. Yeah. So, and that's another thing. So both teams have not tackled at all this since I imagine there's been no tackling to the ground. So that's going to lead to some big plays and big plays equal points. So good point. I can see, I can see this going over. I do think so. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Cardinals paying a receiver $27 million a season, but he Ooh. is one of the best receivers in the game and he will make a difference against the 49ers. And that yeah. can kind of segue into some of the top matchups. And I, I was writing about, or I, I didn't write about that. I was just looking over the schedule and going over some of the best matchups across week one against for every team. And I did not mention Richard Sherman versus DeAndre Hopkins, which led to a few fans. I what about Sherman? What about new? Well, one person, one of these cornerbacks does not travel with receivers, which means we will probably see like, we're not, we're not, we're just not going to see like 10 targets between these two. Cliff yeah. Kingsbury is smarter than that. There's no reason yeah. for you to target Sherman that many right. times. So like, that's why I didn't mention it. It would be great. Like it would be great for TV just to, to be able to watch those two go at it. But right. we're, we're more than likely we're going to see Hopkins against Kwan Williams more often than not. And that's just going to be the best matchup for them. And I am, I would be very worried about that because I think Williams is a very good player for what he's asked to do in the scheme. But the I size. don't think he's that good. Yeah. Like, I just don't think he's that good in man coverage. And I don't think he is a great matchup in this specific matchup. So I, I would imagine uh, Hopkins kind of has a, has a day. I think he does too. I mean, so I went back Sherman. I think the most yards he gave up was in the Super Bowl, was 72. And, you know, against the Cardinals, both times last season, he was pretty, pretty good. Uh, but obviously they didn't have Hopkins last season. And like you mentioned, you know, any smart offensive coordinator, if, you know, I was scheming, I would move my best receiver away from Richard Sherman. Like I would just put him on the other side of the field and put him in the slot. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Why line him up against the other team's best defender? So, yeah, I imagine Hopkins has like a Julio type day, you know, when when uh, what was it, week 15 last season when he just went off. Um, you know, they were down 127 yards, which is crap and a game winning touchdown. I mean, the 49ers were down, I think all their starters in the secondary that day, they didn't have Sherm. They didn't have, uh, K1 Williams. They didn't have tart. So that played into it, but I would imagine Hopkins goes off. Um, and Kyler has a big day as well. So, so not to get on my overhits, but I I also think it's going to happen. I see that Julio play. Do you guys ever see that on the commercial where it's like a 360 oh, yeah. commercial? Oh, yeah. I see that like once a day. Like there's no other play that you guys could use right now. <laughs> I, I, have no. ter- I have a terrible story about that for a later time, but. <laughs> All right. Um, next. The, I mean, this is probably, probably one of the top five matchups in week one for every team. So we have Trent Williams arguably one of the best left tackles in the game versus Chandler Jones, arguably the best pass rusher in the game. And these two, just from like a technical standpoint, are as good as it gets. Jones has been producing despite Arizona not having any sort of pass rush threat. Williams is healthy and he looks like it. He, as much as we gushed about Bosa at the top, he just made Bosa look like a rookie pass rusher, which is insane. Like he just had no problem. So these two 
and I believe you have some some numbers on that. Didn't the in the last from the last matchup, Akash? Yeah. So Chandler Jones, Trent Williams gone up against each other twice. Uh, they faced off in 2018 and 2015. Um, obviously Williams was with the, was with the Redskins. Uh, Chandler Jones was the Patriots once, and he was with the Cardinals the second time around. Um, between the two matchups, uh, Chandler Jones doesn't uh, hasn't had a sack on Trent. You know, going up against Trent Williams, I think he's Trent Williams has only given up four pressures, no penalties, no sacks. Uh, they were all hurries, I think, per per PFF. So uh, Trent Williams has you know won that matchup two times in a row now, and it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, that unfold. Chandler Jones last season against the 49ers, I think he had, uh, let's see, he had two sacks and 12 total pressures. So he he was pretty dominant against them last year. Uh, absolutely just disrupting their offense. So um, I'd imagine, again, you know, this is one of those things, right? If you're a smart defensive coordinator, do you move your pass rusher around to go up against Mike McGlinchey, who's significantly weaker in pass protection compared to a Trent Williams, right? I mean, and I wish I knew this off the top of my head. I don't know if you do or not. Is does Chandler Jones usually rush from one side? Uh, we could we could look that up, but um, I let's see. I'm yes, he, he does uh rush from one side. Oh, uh, actually, no, he he moves around. So he's he had a thousand snaps last year. He had five hundred from the left side. He had four thirty from the right side. Oh, so wow, he does so. travel. Yeah, if that's if that's the case, then I mean, if you're Vance Joseph, you should lose your job if you just leave him on one side. Right. Put him on an island. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him, Tiger. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, no, I w- I would move him to the other side, like you mentioned, and have him go up against McGlinchey. It should be a matchup that he wins more often than not, in my opinion. So one of the matchups that, for whatever reason, well, I know why it's not getting talked about, but. Buda Baker versus George Kittle was a very, very good matchup last year. The Because it's not really talked about is George Kittle threw him out of the stadium with a stiff arm right. and scored a touchdown. Right. So that is what is in your mind. Like that is the last thing you remember. And that's all you want to remember. You are going to ignore the other times where I believe. Yeah. So it, when he was against Kittle, he I believe he broke up one or two passes. And I think he had another one in in um the, the next matchup in week 11, but those two battled, man. And it was a really, really good matchup. And like Baker is noticeably smaller than Kittle, but he was just up under his grill. Like he was making plays. And I just think that this will, this will be like Kittle has to win this matchup. Yeah. Buda Baker in the two games, he had 23 tackles combined and he had three pass breakups. He, he was all over the field. You know, uh, 49ers so fans good. will kill Buda Baker, especially I think he just got re-upped. And they throw the Kittle highlight, just like you mentioned, right? But he was actually really good in that game. Uh, and, you know, take away the stiff arm. I thought he played pretty well. Um, and Kittle's a tough cover. Kittle's bigger than Buda Baker is. So, um, you know, it, it's challenging for him. But, you know, when they drafted Isaiah Simmons, a lot of people said, oh, week one, it's going to be Simmons-Kittle. Do you see Simmons potentially, you know, covering Kittle, or do you think it's still going to be Buda Baker primarily? If Simmons is on Kittle, he's barbecue chicken. It's just RIP. There, I just – I don't think he's as good as people think he is. He's like – he's a great – he's great in certain schemes, but like man coverage, that's just not him. Honestly, coverage in general, that's just not the type of player he is. So like taking him where they did is a little – you know, questionable. It's a little rich. If if I'm Jimmy G and I see and I'm you know because they're going to motion every play anyway just to right. determine just to see what coverage. Yeah. 
if I see Simmons is matched up with Kittle, man, I, I'm licking – like my eyes are getting big and I'm licking my chops because I'm going to take advantage of that. So uh, the Cardinals' best bet is to have like either – no, I, I would say Baker gives them the best chance. But, I mean, there are going to be some good ones here. So hopefully – Hopefully Ayuk plays. Hopefully Samuel plays. I, we're not we're not sure. The the first injury report will come out on Wednesday, and Debo Samuel I believe is meeting with doctors on Tuesday, so he'll have um, just to to give them a better idea of you know how how he's coming along just as a play, um, how his Jones fracture is coming along. So, but he's been running alongside. He looks good. He looks close. I imagine when we talked about this before, he's he's closer to playing than he is not. So I imagine if we don't see him this week, we'll see him within the next few weeks. But that that kind of takes away from you know one of the one of the other big matchups would be potentially Patrick Peterson guarding either Debo or Ayuk because if you remember Sanders ate him alive last yes. year like yes. he made Peterson look like a rookie man he just he Peterson really didn't have an answer for him and and Grappolo had a couple of really nice passes where he's just throwing it on time Ooh, the and timing right on some of those yeah. throws that was Sanders I think first game the Halloween game and. They look like they've been playing together for a while. It, it was some throws that you were like, ooh, Garoppolo can make those. Like, well, you've okay. been that, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, Brandon Ayuk, a rookie, first game gets to go up against, like, all-pro Patrick Peterson. I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, So the position group with the biggest advantage in this game, who you got? Uh, 49ers defensive line over the Cardinals offensive line. Uh, So the Cardinals, I was looking at the depth chart. Uh, They've got – their rookie right tackle starting Josh Jones, right? Their their third round pick. Whoever lines up over him should be dominating that matchup. Whether it's D Ford, if they move Nick Bosa onto that side, defensive line absolutely has to control this game. Um, whether it's you know trying to you know contain Kyler Murray within the pocket and not letting him escape and hit those running lanes, or whether it's getting to him and bringing him down, they're going to be the group that controls the the game, in my opinion. Yeah, they and they have to. Like if the reason the 49ers are so heavily favored is because this matchup is what I imagine. So there's there's not really anybody to block Nick Bosa. There's not really anybody to block Eric Armstead. There's not really anybody to block Nick Ford. They will be on the field at the same time. So it's pretty much uh Kyler's gonna be running for his life. And last year one of his biggest issues was he's just like he will take these enormously long drops run into sacks and just hold on the ball and try to do too much. So 49ers have to take advantage of that, have to get him to th- get him into some tough situations where he's throwing the ball into because he threw it right to Fred Warner last year and Fred just dropped it and he had a pick six. So there's going to be, there's going to be opportunities for the 49ers defense to make plays. And that would be amazing. If a safety had an interception in the first game, your prediction is going to look so good. If that happens, I know, right? (laughs) I I would, you know, if they get a takeaway in the first game, I'm like, all right, I got 15 more games to get three takeaways. Okay. I'll play that. on. Imagine that. Yeah. Oh man, I, I would imagine, play that. Imagine probably. getting an interception in the first game and then not having one for the rest of the season. That would be, that would be rough. But it, okay. it, it totally be justified based on their prior production. So true. Very true. Position group that you are most worried about because I agree with you. Like it, it, it is the defense line. It has to be the defense line. But flipping the switch, what is an area that you're most worried about here? Um. It's a coin toss. I'm going to go not the entire position group, but the interior of the offensive line. Um, Jonas Grasso starting at center like worries me a little bit. Um, not so worried about Dan Brunskill or Lakin Tomlinson, but just just Grasso over lining up at center. Um, just Imagine me asking you in March, hey, what do you think about the 49ers starting center, Jonas Grasso? 
I would have laughed my ass off. Yeah, like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think the, you know, the Cardinals went out and they signed Jordan Phillips because they had struggles, you know, rushing the passer from the interior. You can face scrubs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they've upgraded and I think it's going to be better than they were last year. Right. Um, so not the entire offensive line, but probably the interior concerns me and then wide receiver. Right. And that's more of a health thing. Is Debo going to play? Is Ayuk going to play? Right. Really just comes down to that. If both of those guys play, then I'm not, I'm not super worried, but what if neither play? Then it's Ken- Kendrick Bourne, Trent Taylor, and like, starting, Dante like Pettis. Does, I feel like Pettis would have to start by right by default. Right, right. right. And so, that, that would concern me because that's like that's like the Monday night game against Seattle where they had Kendrick Bourne and Dante Pettis on the field. And those guys, they, they couldn't get any separation. They were dropping passes left and right. And the offense just struggled to move the ball, right? Um, so I, I would be a little concerned, but they'd have a healthy George Kittle. They'd have Jordan Reed. I think they'd be able to run the ball a little bit. Arizona's pass defense last year, I think, was ranked like 26th uh, per DVOA. So they should be able to throw throw the ball on them with uh, those two tight ends, even if they're down a couple of receivers. But, yeah, I'd be a little worried if if neither uh, Samuel or, or Ayuk don't play. The only thing I'm really worried about is the defense just giving up big plays. So we saw a couple times last year in the in the two games where, like early on, like Kenyon, Kenyon Drake breaks like a long run. Or Andy the 49ers really struggled to guard the Cardinals screen game. So that would be something to keep an eye on. And knowing that, you know, they have more speed. So like they have Isabella with another year under his belt. They have Kirk with another year under his belt. They have Hopkins who you, you're yeah. probably going to have to, like assuming he's going to move around, you're going to have to keep an eye on him and have extra attention his way. So I feel like big plays are an issue, especially with Kyler, you know, extending the play, running around. And then being yeah. having the ability to throw it wherever he wants to, so that that'll be something that I would be concerned about. But again, I just man, the the matchup up front for the 49ers D line, like they're gonna they're gonna be able to do what they want, right? Essentially, and uh, yeah, no, like you said, they they kind of have to. Go ahead. Right. No, the screen game thing you brought up was interesting because I was looking. So Kenyon Drake's got I think ten balls against the 49ers linebackers. All of those behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, so it. You know, the majority of the, the yards that Drake uh, gained through the air, all screen passes. And so hopefully they've had an offseason to think about a game plan against against that. So they're, you know, able to limit it, hopefully, uh, come Sunday. Yeah, that's what good offenses do. They use your aggressiveness against you. And the 49ers are so fast and they want to pin their rush back up the field. Yep. Yeah, yep. so they're going to get out of their rushing lanes and, and the Cardinals, okay. And they're going to throw it right where you were. And that's where, you know, you're putting pressure on guys like Warner and Alexander to make open field tackles. And and if we want to talk about where those two can improve, like open field tackling is an area. So yep. that'll be something to keep an eye on. But again, I just think that the matchup is just so in favor of them of the 40, for the 49ers up front. And I think that on offense, you know, Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to cover his eyes, draw a play out of <laughs> pick a play out of his hat. And they'll be able to get yards, so I just don't think it's good for the Cardinal. A good a good matchup for the Cardinals on defense. So before we get out of here, let's let's get a score prediction for this bad boy. So again, the the cover on the game is seven and a half is the spread, and the total is forty seven and a half. What do you got? I feel obligated because I bet Cardinals plus seven and a half, and the over give a score prediction that like matches that. I'm gonna go 49ers. I think it's kind of an offensive shootout. I think yeah. just like you mentioned, that it's going to look 
worse than the score does. Like I think the Niners are going to be up by a lot, and the Cardinals have like some time, some type of garbage time score that makes the final score look like, oh man, was it really that close? But the game like actually isn't. Uh, yeah, I'm going a lot of points too. I think that we're going to see points from the Cardinals early and then points from the Cardinals late, but that's not going to be enough. And I think the 49ers are going to have one of those where they just score a bunch and then they take their foot off the gas and that's that. So 34-27 49ers. Cool. Okay, so on that note, first offensive play, what do you think Kyle Shanahan runs? Oh, man. So I'm, I'm just going to go back to training camp just because I know he's just so frustrated that he hasn't been able to move the ball that the first offensive series, they're just going to come out like Chuck, just like throwing it all over. Like, see, I can really? throw them. Like, we are good. I told you. Like, okay. Just gonna try to prove a point. Okay. Do you know what the first offensive play from last season in Tampa Bay was? Um, What was it? I, off the top of my head, I don't. You could probably guess this just based off of how much we make fun of Kyle for this. I mean, I imagine it was a run up the middle to Tevin Coleman. But I wasn't <laughs> yeah, it, was. it was a two-yard run to Tevin Coleman oh, up, up the middle. So I'm going to go with the same thing. I'm going to go – I think it's Mostert instead of Coleman, but I think it's going to be a run up the middle for like three yards. I So I don't know who's – I imagine Mostert would start, but I just want to see the 49ers Twitter reaction when Mostert trots onto the field the first play. There's going to be like this big sigh of relief, this rejoice. We made it the season's here. We did it. And then they They're throw the like ball, and then they bring Coleman to run the ball. Oh, man, that would be tough. Imagine that. If, if Mostert actually starts a series and they just – throw every time right. and then the right. next series Coleman comes out and they hand the ball off. That would be like an epic troll by Shanahan yeah. when I hope he kind of actually does that now. I kind of do too. I, I would love the entertainment, but is there anything else we need to touch on before we wrap this bad boy up? No, man. I, so Debo Samuel posted a little hype video this morning. Did that indicate that maybe he got the positive word from his doctor? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. He had a little, he had a little minute hype video on Instagram uh, I forget what his caption was, but it was like, ooh, okay. Like, oh, he's playing. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the Niners had an off day today, no media availability. So they had no reason to announce anything. We'll find out tomorrow on Wednesday. So I was like, okay, maybe Debo is playing. But yeah, other yeah, than that, okay. that's great, though. That's uh, that's big time. So I imagine that had his reaction had a lot to do with what the news he received. So that's good. I mean, if that's the case, it's, or it's September 8th. And Ayuk and Samuel have not practiced together, which is unreal to me. Like the two best yeah. receivers on the team, like like they will be, but the two receivers on the team have not had a chance to like play off each other or anything. So they're going to have a few days to do that. But I think uh, seeing him on the seeing those two on the field at the same time is going to be pretty exciting. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I am Kyle Posey. You can follow me on Twitter at kp underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at. Akashanov, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Thank you for listening. We will be back to recap week one, 49ers win. Hopefully. Based on both of our predictions. Yeah. Hopefully it's over. Um, Akash is rooting for the Cardinals because he's a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> I need like a backdoor cover at the end of the game. You ever do those where it's like the game's like, it's like a 10 point game. And you're like, please score to like, you know, get the team to cover, cover the points. So I, I, it's going to be one of those, but it's exciting. Betting on football games is always fun just because it adds a little extra juice. I feel like, so. man, you are, you are preaching to the choir here. Thanks for listening. We will be back next Wednesday. Go Niners.